Well, in a few seconds' time, it'll be four o'clock on the 14th of October, 2022, Friday. How's your Friday been thus far? How are you? Are you well? Are you in good form? You found me. Thank you for doing so. This is kind of part of a very soft relaunch of the Richie Allen radio show. I'm treating the next hour or thereabouts as a little bit of practice. Yeah, ordinarily, as I said yesterday, you wouldn't be doing this type of thing. If you had any inclin if you had any desire to be professional, you wouldn't be doing it. But anyway, we're doing it. We'll have a chat, you and me, during the course of the next day. As I said, probably about an hour. You can reach me through the website richieallen.co.uk. That's the website. It's live comment or comment live. Please do talk to me to keep me company. I've one or two nice cuts of music as well. Friday. It is the fourteenth, as I've already said, of October. Keeping an eye on this old gear here, so I am. Yeah, all right. It's the BBG, not the BBC. This is your Richie Allen Show, live from the magnificent city of Salford. It's the Richie Allen Show, broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host, Richie Allen. Yes, I'm having a very good fiddle here, a nice fiddle with the old gear. I'm fiddling with the gear, so I am. Going to talk a little bit about one or two of today's headlines, the insurrection and Donald Trump. We might have a, a chat about that. Is there anything in particular you, th- you feel about that you'd like to tell me? Tell me. I'll read your comments out, good, bad, or, or indifferent as we go along. I was just struck by the fact that it led the news bulletins on the BBC this morning. It led them. The, the news that Donald Trump may be called to give evidence to explain his part. Evidence before a congressional or a Senate committee, maybe, to explain his part in the, the riots at the Capitol, which happened in 2021, didn't they? January 2021. We'll talk about that and other things. We'll talk about Ukraine as well and anything else you'd like me to chat about as we go through the, the hour. I'm Richie Allen, your BBG. And I'll get rid of the theme tune now because that's the thing to do. You've had enough of it, I reckon. Let's get rid of it. You know, this morning a strange thing happened to me. I'll share this little anecdote with you, even though it's got nothing to do with the price of onions, which are skyrocketing in the financial crisis. But I'll explain. We'll talk about that in a minute. But I had a very strange thing happen. When I was a young boy, I grew up in Ballybeg in Waterford City. Now, I think I've said that to you before. So that won't come as any great surprise to some of you. That's where I grew up. I loved the area and I loved the people I grew up with. But I had a very difficult time as a kid. I've gone into it once or twice in the past. I won't today because it's not about that. It's just, I'm just mentioning that because the childhood was difficult. Now, one of the things that that preoccupied my time as a young boy in Ballybeg in Waterford was Manchester United Football Club. I'd like to tell you I can explain why I didn't go with the flow and support Liverpool Football Club when I entered primary school, St Saviour's Primary School in 1979. I'd like to explain why, but I can't. I think my mother would have bought me one of those plastic school bags red one, the plastic ones, emblazoned in white and also in black with Manchester United. I think I would have would have had one of those and that began my great interest in Manchester United. And during some very difficult times as a child, 
I would engross myself in books about Manchester United. And I'm talking like 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. And I would have been given a present of a replica kit, which was real knockoff stuff now. Because when I was a very young boy, you didn't get to buy the jerseys and the shorts that the kids can buy today for their football teams of choice. What we had in Ireland was we had a company called O'Neill's who would basically rip off the the, the the kit. I don't think they did it under licence for Manchester United. They just ripped it off. They copied it and they got the badge made, probably in China, uh, stuck it on and that was your replica kit. So it was a big deal for me. And the very first time I got to travel to come to Manchester to watch Manchester United was a massive big deal for me as well. Something weird happened to me this morning. I don't know why it hasn't happened before. But out on my run I was, running down Sir Alex Ferguson Way, up the little hill towards Hotel Football, which is owned, I believe, almost entirely by Gary Neville and some of his mates, and then ran across the concourse, past the George Best, Dennis Lowe, Bobby Charlton statue, and past the entrance to the megastore, which is situated at the back of the East Stand. And this morning it kind of hit me, really. And I don't know about the secret or cosmic ordering. When I say I don't know about it, I'm not dismissing it. I'm very open-minded to these things. But for the first time since we've lived in Salford or Manchester, and remember we lived here back in 2003-2004 also, before decamping to Spain. But this morning, for some reason, maybe it's tied in with the fact that the radio show is nearly back on the air, but this morning, the strangeness and the magic of that just hit me in the face. There you are, on your daily run, running past this big football stadium, which is all steel and glass. It isn't very pretty, but it meant an awful lot to you as a young boy, and now you take it for granted that you run past it, not every day, because I vary my my runs, but probably three times a week I, I run past it, heading for, for the cricket ground, which is only about a half a kilometre down the road, and I thought, wow. And maybe it's not a bad thing to ask you, dear listener. <laughs> Was there something that you, I don't know, held dear to yourself, or an ambition, or something that you thought, well, that would be lovely, wouldn't it? And then someday it came through for you. Maybe you'll share some of that with me today. Maybe you won't. Maybe that's for for the Sunday show, maybe. I don't know. But anywho, it's coming up for seven minutes. So it is past four this Friday, the 14th of October, in the year of our Lord 2022. I did find it incredibly, you know, again, ridiculous that this morning the UK media, particularly the BBC radio channels, led with the story that Donald Trump will be subpoenaed, if that's the correct word when you're talking about appearing before congressional committees or Senate committees, I don't know, to explain his behaviour around the Capitol riots, which, which happened in, was it January of 2021 it was? Now, you might be very new to this programme, so let me explain before I get into this, and I'm not going to to dwell too much on this today because I don't know an awful lot about it. But let me, it's going to sound like I'm defending Donald Trump, (laughs) right? So let me from the outset say, if you're new to the programme, I believe that politics is a rigged game, wholeheartedly believe it. I believe that Donald Trump is as bad as Hillary Clinton, is as bad as Donald Trump, is as bad as Joe Biden, is as bad as 
Barack Obama is as bad as David Cameron and so on. I believe that politics and politicians are controlled by other parties and that they're basically front men and front women for an agenda. That's what they are. But we're not supposed to know that. We're, we're, we're supposed to believe that the politicians we elect are in power and they, of their own volition, make policies. This is nonsense, in my opinion. It's what I have come to understand. I detest Donald Trump. I detest Hillary Clinton. All of them. No time for Donald Trump. And I have less time for, for, for some of his followers and their extreme views about race and stuff like that. I have no time for any of that. But I don't believe in deplatforming it or banning it. I'm, I'm, I'm all the more interested in speaking to people like those who, who I disagree with. Um, but the fact that the BBC would cover that, and, and again we're back to this thing that's a real bugbear for me, and I bore the living bejesus out of you regularly talking about this. How could it be newsworthy in the UK? If anything, it's an and finally, isn't it? And finally, former President Donald Trump will be, will be asked or subpoenaed to give his account of what happened in the Capitol in January of 2021, but to lead with it. And that goes to the heart of globalisation and to the heart of convincing everybody that we're all one people living on one world and that we're all homogenised, that we're all a global family or a global community. And again, that's a broad stroke there. So I'll leave that one there, but just ridiculous that it would be of any interest to us. It was like yesterday afternoon when the gentleman, I shouldn't call him a gentleman, he's obviously a madman, uh, who killed all of those people in Parkland in Florida. His sentencing hearing took place and it was covered live by the BBC and by Sky. I won't dwell too much on that because I talked about it yesterday. How could that possibly be relevant to a UK television audience? It isn't. I couldn't care less. The capital thing. Couldn't care less. Of no interest to me. It's an and finally. My opinion is that Donald Trump, uh, excuse me, is that the capital thing, the, the riot, was, was a stage-managed thing. That's my opinion. And I'm not one of those who believes that everything is stage-managed or everything is a false flag. I don't believe that at all. But I think all the hallmarks were there that stand-down orders were given to the security. I mean, this is one of the most protected places on planet Earth. And these Egypts wandered in and were sitting, posing for photographs in, in offices and, and whatnot. I, I don't believe that Trump... Um, I don't believe that... And there's any real evidence that Trump, the, the, the idiot that Trump is, in any way enabled that or in any way provoked it. In fact, there is some evidence that, that, that Trump's enemies and... They don't seem to want to acknowledge that the Trump actually told people not to do it. But anyway, just the thought made me laugh that it made the news today. Story number one here in the UK. But uh, there you go. It's 11 minutes past four. Quasi Quarting, the UK Chancellor, is the UK Chancellor no more. He's also a former business secretary. He's been fired by Liz Truss, despite Liz Truss, the Prime Minister, uh, reassuring the... The, 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 the broadcast media at least and the nation in the past uh, week or two that she had great time for Quasi she had all the confidence in the world in him and that he was going nowhere in fact he on his way back from uh, New York yesterday where he met the IMF along with many other chancellors and finance ministers he said no no I'll still be chancellor next week he's gone he's gone again I could rant on not rant on I could drone on about how it is absolutely ludicrous, in my opinion, that anyone would imagine that Liz Truss is in charge of anything, or that Quasi Quarteng, or his successor, who is apparently going to be J J Jeremy Hunt, the health secretary, 
who played his part in ruining the National Health Service during the time he was David Cameron's health secretary. Was he Cameron's or was he Theresa May's or was he both? I can't remember. So, so Jeremy Hunt, who knows nothing about the price of onions or about economics, is going to be the Chancellor. And the reason for that, in my opinion, is because he won't be dreaming up or writing up any economic policies. He will be given those by various think tanks and advisors and civil servants. And he will relay to us what they relay to him. The question remains, who is telling the think tanks what to tell Jeremy Hunt? Politicians are not in charge. They are window dressers, front men and front women for the agendas that we talk about on these programmes. That's the horrible nature of the Trump thing. And it's one of the reasons why the BBC covers it and why, 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 why Sky News will cover it. This is all theatre. It's all drama to get us all wrapped up in it and irate and screaming bloody murder and taking sides because when you're doing that, you're not looking beyond it. Again, those have been my opinions for a long time. This is uh, Friday's whatever it is. I'm going to take a tune now. When I return, I'll read some of your comments on whatever you're commenting on. Thanks for joining me today, by the way. What have I got lined up for you today? I've got Mark Cohn. There you go. And it's working today. This is Mark Cohn and Walking in Memphis on The Richie Allen Show. All right, we'll leave it there. Mark Cohn and Walking in Memphis on The Richie Allen Show. Scottish Al has been on. How are you doing, Scottish Al? The Capitol building is probably one of the most heavily guarded buildings in America, says Al, and all of these people were just able to walk in. There was a video of security guards opening security barriers in front of the building and allowing people to just walk through. Why did this happen and under whose instruction was this done? There is definitely something that doesn't add up about the whole incident. Personally, I think they allowed this to happen. To create a situation where Trump could be blamed for the resulting riot and to tarnish his reputation and possibly prevent him from gaining uh, or running for president again. I completely disagree with that. Uh, the last part of it. Yes, um, the security barrier stuff and the stand down, I agree with it. But Al, I completely disagree with you that Donald Trump was an, was, was an independent, was an original, that the establishment was somehow scared um, of, 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 <laughs> that the establishment feared him in any way. Donald Trump is the establishment. My take on it is this, and I said this when Trump ran for president. The abuse I got when, when, when certain listeners couldn't understand why I wouldn't support Donald Trump back in 2016, I'll never forget, it was very funny. Later on then, a year or so later, I got the same abuse from people who couldn't understand why I wouldn't endorse Jeremy Corbyn. Yeah, because I'm not a hypocrite and because I have the courage of my convictions. I believe Donald Trump was the establishment's reaction to the success of, the part success of the independent media in revealing to people or unveiling for people the reality that all politicians or political parties, to be fair, are completely controlled, completely controlled by the uh, architects of the agendas, again, that we talk about, and we've been, some of us have been talking about it for many, many, many years. 
the totalitarian agenda, the architects of that agenda, the people who hold all the power, the buffer that has the gate or the buffer that has prevented people from from seeing those people in all of their technicolor not so glory. The buffer is the political system. That's the buffer. That is my belief. It's what I've come to understand having read, written, broadcast, listened to, researched, platformed researchers for many, 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 many years. I can't see any other explanation for it. And I think that political leaders are very carefully chosen, maybe not members of parliament, maybe they're not controlling it down to the nth degree, you know, in terms of controlling exactly who runs for Labour, for the Tories, for the Lib Dems, but the leaders for sure, and also the advisers, the civil servants, as I said a, a few minutes ago, uh, the, 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 the think tanks who come in and surround prime ministers and, and health secretaries and, and, and home secretaries. They're totally controlled. And you've only got to look at the manifestos of political parties going back donkey's years. You know, the promises that political parties make nations, not just in this country, but everywhere. We're going to do wonderful things. We'll, we'll give you more jobs, better jobs, better paid jobs, cleaner streets, cleaner cities, better schools for your children, better education. We'll do all that for you. But they don't do any of that. All of that gets worse and worse progressively. And these people get involved in wars of aggression overseas against countries that never raised a fist in anger against the UK. That doesn't seem to, to strike people as kind of mysterious. Who are these people who sold us these dreams of utopia in their manifestos, but then went to, on to renege on every one of those promises and make things progressively worse? Who are these people? Who's advising these people? Donald Trump, in my opinion, uh, was the establishment's response to the fact that people were waking up to the game. They needed to re-engage people, I think, particularly in the United States, in politics. They needed to re-energise them, get them connected to it again, get them active in it again. And Trump was perfect, wasn't he? He ran for president on a very interesting platform. He said that no longer would the United States be the policemen and the policewomen of the world. They wouldn't intervene overseas anymore that he would take back jobs that had been shipped overseas, he would do all of that. He would close borders and build walls. He would see to it, and this is a very serious promise, that the crook Hillary Clinton, and of course crook doesn't do justice to Hillary Clinton, hit Hillary Clinton as Gerald Salente has dubbed her, and her husband, gangsters, murderers, criminals of the, the most heinous type, I'll see them all in jail, said Trump. But he didn't. The day after he was elected, he gave an interview to 60 Minutes and he said he didn't want to hurt them because they're good people. And you can't say this to Trump supporters because they don't want to listen. Trump is an original. He's anti-establishment. They're scared of him. No, they're not. They gave you Trump, in my opinion. Joe Public says you should invite him onto the show, Richie. Give me a break. He's not going to come onto this programme. 
not in a million years would he come on this programme. He went on InfoWars because obviously InfoWars had an absolutely enormous reach, but also because he knew that Alex would insert his tongue into Trump's anus and would, you know, which he did. Incidentally, speaking of Alex Jones and the billion-dollar damages that he's supposed to be paying out to the some of the families of Sandy Hook, my engineer, Paul Ripley, was driving yesterday and he was listening to me talking about this. And he was very annoyed, not, not with me, but with some of the comments that were coming in supporting Alex. And Paul said, Richie, did it occur to you that maybe a lot of that Sandy Hook stuff was was done at the behest of the NRA, the National Rifle Association. Did it occur to you, Richie, says Paul to me this morning, that maybe Jones carried on with the Sandy Hook stuff and they're coming for our guns um, for so long because he was being paid to do that. Now, Paul Ripley didn't say he, he, he knows this to be true, but he says it's something to consider. And I said, well, anything is possible. I don't know. Maybe... The, the NRA were clients of Alex Jones. Maybe they did buy time on his Infowars programmes. I don't know. I couldn't answer that at all. Uh, Steve says, Richie, Congress probably wants Trump to explain why he told his followers to throw babies out of their incubators. Boom, boom, Steve. Very good. Maybe. Um, I don't know if he'll be, if, if he'll be attending, will he? Steve T says CNN paid Antifa agitator at Capital Rights. And this is something called trendingpolitics.com, which I've never heard of. It's a website. And on the website, there is an allegation that CNN, the news network, uh, paid somebody to go and store it up at the Capitol. And this website is alleging there is documentary evidence to support this. The documentary evidence seemingly being a receipt for $35,000. Thank you very much, Steve, for that. You never know. Isabel says, On cosmic ordering, many years ago I had the same light bulb moment. When I was 11, my class started learning English as a foreign language. My teacher was strict but fair. One day, he asked the whole class to imagine where or who we would like to be 25 years down the road, to write it down, put it in a box or an envelope, and keep it somewhere without thinking much about it. At the time, it meant little to us. We saw that as another weird homework assignment, so we did what we were told. I never thought about it until one day, walking down a hill where I lived, like a bolt of electricity. It dawned on me right there, right where I was at that point in my life. I was living all in one. I was living the exact three things I had written on my list. Working by night. I ran my own bar, my own business. Living abroad and living by the sea. From that point on, I fully believed in cosmic ordering, uh, says Isabel, who went, went on to say, patience and honesty is the secret. If you truly mean from your honest heart what you request from the universe with no shade of a doubt, then it will happen. And uh, if we're prepared to wait without forcing it, it will happen at the right time. Hence the need to be patient, says Isabel. And Pennywise has been on to say, it's good to have you back, Richie. I've just donated a pint of beer to your bank account. Thanks very much, Pennywise in Exeter. That's lovely. You've made my day. Cheers, mate. Thank you for that. And Patrick came on to say, apparently Truss is already toast 
and the controlling cult don't trust her to move in lockstep with their evil agendas. They want Starmer in charge, as he, like other fascist communists, will gladly do the bidding of the World Economic Forum and other cult organisations. So, general election within one month, says Patrick, maybe, and maybe UK elections will also be rigged next if necessary, says Patrick. Thank you for your opinion, Patrick. Uh, hi to Caroline Feely, who says, uh, Richie, evening, uh, and uh, nice to be back here and listening to Truths. She says, good tunes and good company. Thank you for your company, Caroline Feely. And Scottish John says, one of my favourite memories of Manchester was going to see Dr. Hook and the medicine show, Sylvia's mother and all of that, as they were still known then at Bellevue. It was the early 70s and shortly after the gig kicked off, it was suddenly brought to a halt and we were told there was a bomb scare and that we had to leave the building. Well, we're all outside in the car park and what happens? They only came out and played an acoustic set until it was safe to go back inside one of the greatest bands ever. What a brilliant anecdote, John, in Austin. Fantastic. So you were kicked out, torfed out because of a bomb scare. The band came out with the acoustics and played a few songs until you could go back in. Wonderful story, that. I love it. This is Friday, the 14th of October, 2022. Soft relaunch of the Richie Allen show. It's back with a bang, I hope, next week. For all bells and whistles, guests and all of that. But in the meantime, I'm going to play another tune, if you don't mind. I'm going to play some Duran Duran. Yeah, yeah, I'm getting there. It's it's happening, slowly but surely. This is the Reflex, 29 minutes past four. And I'm Richie Allen, back with more in a minute. I, I very nearly sang along there, and I thought, just at the last minute, I thought if you do sing along, you'll be a rank hypocrite. I, I wouldn't be the biggest fan of Steve Wright at the BBC. I, I detest Steve Wright. And he would come on sometimes in the car, singing over the the song, singing along, all that nonsense carry on, that only very arrogant, smug jocks do, you know. I nearly did it there for a minute. So maybe, maybe poor old Steve. Uh, John Heffernan has had a wisdom tooth out. Sorry to hear that, John. I had one out a couple of years ago, actually very early on. And I couldn't get a dentist appointment. You might remember me telling you this. I had to go to an emergency dental hospital. Think of it. Ching, 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 ching. They charged me a fortune. They charged me £160 at the time to do it. Yeah. My own dentist, private. My, I, I go private. My own dentist would have probably charged me about 75 160 But I was in abject agony and of course we all know that men are pretty useless when it comes to pain we know that don't we ladies We're useless but uh, yeah it's not good it's good to have it out I remember that day the relief of it is <laughs> a relief oh thank god that it was done yeah I've got a little bit of work to, to get done later this month I have a filling and a crown to have done but I'm getting it done for my for my dentist he's a lovely fellow called Danny he's a Jewish guy in Fallowfield He's a gas man. He occasionally listens to the programme and he finds it very interesting, but he, he doesn't, I don't, I, I don't think he, he wouldn't see things the way you and I see them. But he does listen from time to time because when I go and see him, he tells me. And he actually has evidence that, that, that he's listened. He, he can tell me about something I've said or, or something he heard. But yeah, it's about, it's about two weeks away, I think, in the morning. A little bit of work and, and please God, I don't like dentists. I had a very bad experience with a dentist on the Irish Health Service, the South Eastern Health Board, when I was a young boy 
He's dead now, so I can mention him. A dentist called Sarsfield. He was a bastard. A pig of a human being. A real pig. You don't often hear me speaking in those terms now. But I remember I was there one day with my brother. Both of us had to have checkups, and he decided that we both both had to have an anaesthetic because he had to do some scraping or something. And uh, I remember he punched my brother in the face. Because back then, dentists didn't think... Dentists didn't worry too much about hurting you when they gave you the anaesthetic. Now, the, 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 the numbing thing, now they do. They give you a little, a little bit of a pierce. You can barely feel it. They take their time. Back then, my, my brother lost it. I lost it. And he punched him and he punched me. And eventually we, we jumped up, both of us. I think he was in the chair. I was sitting alongside him. And we ran out of there, bleeding from our mouths and, and that was the end of that the things they did this is one of the reasons of course why so many people my generation and older are absolutely petrified of going to the dentist but my own dentist is a good lad and uh, he understands that you know hey, did, you, did you see these climate evangelicals calling themselves just stop oil have, uh, have made the headlines again today for throwing tomato soup onto Van Gogh do we say Van Gogh or Van Gogh? Does anybody know? Does it matter? Vincent, uh, throwing tomato soup on his sunflowers painting, which is worth, allegedly, about £76 million. Pounds. What? Uh, an enormous amount of money. They threw soup on it, and then they glued themselves to the wall of the National Gallery. Have they destroyed the painting? I, I don't know if they have. Let's hope they haven't. Because apparently it's a thing of beauty. I saw it on a news bulletin. I imagine it's better to be standing in front of it. I don't know. So they've arrested two women, two Egypts. This happened um, this morning. And there were people around with their camera phones as usual and they filmed them doing it. Uh, Phoebe Plummer. I mean, Jesus, Mary and Holy St. Joseph. There you go again. Middle class Muppets with nothing better to do. Uh, Phoebe Plummer and Anna Holland, 21 and 20 respectively, were arrested. They're doing this, you see, because they want to, they want the UK government to commit to not involving the country in any more gas and oil projects because apparently we're all going to die if the mean temperature or the average temperature of the planet goes uh, to two degrees in the next 40 or 50 years. This is madness and I'm not going to get into it today, so don't panic because you know it's madness. I know it's madness. It isn't true. It's part of the agendas we mentioned earlier on. But I suppose we're back to this thing again. Many of these younger men and women, I think, are, well, not so much to be forgiven, but are to be understood, I think, because they believe this. Oh, they believe it, yeah. The disciples of Greta. Believe it. Hook, line and sinker. They've fallen for this notion that if we don't change the way we live drastically, the way we fuel things and heat ourselves and the way we dress and all of that, that we're dooming their children and grandchildren to, well, hell on earth in the next 50, 60 years. None of it is true, but they believe it. I noticed that today. Why they threw... Does anybody... Has anybody I mean, that's as much as I know about this story. Have Has anyone given any explanation as to how throwing tomato soup at a masterpiece of a painting, how that is in any way going to endear people 
to their cause or make people wake up to it. I have no idea. Hey, speaking of the Donald Trump thing and the insurrection, as the, the, the US news media has, has dubbed it from day one, um, Nancy Pelosi, another odious human being, like, uh, like Donald Trump, um, apparently said she wanted to punch Donald Trump and would be happy to go to prison for it. Now, she didn't say that now. <laughs> she said it during the the unrest on January 6th, 2021. She said it during the so-called riot, which didn't really look like a riot, really, did it? When you look back at it, it all looked very civil. Some of it looked, not all of it, some of it looked very uh, civil. Um, she was uh, filmed in the building saying that she hopes hopes that Trump, I hope he comes, she said, I'm going to punch him out. Nancy Pelosi. I've been waiting for this, for trespassing on the Capitol grounds, I'm going to punch him out, and I'm going to go to jail, and I'm going to be happy, said Nancy Pelosi. Gary Lineker, speaking of odious people, have you a good word to say about anybody, Bolly? I do, as it happens, have quite a few good words for people. But today, the the news I read anyway today, is is full of pretty odious personalities, awful people. Gary Lineker, a, not quite as big a virtue signaller as the radio presenter James O'Brien, but he's not far off it. Um, he said he knows a couple of gay Premier League footballers. And he, he added that if those gay footballers came out during the World Cup in Qatar, that would be great and send a powerful message to the homophobic leaders of Qatar. Homosexuality is illegal in Qatar, which of course is ridiculous. It's preposterous that a government should uh, make laws uh, that determine who you can spend the rest of your life with, who you can date, who you can marry. It's preposterous, in my opinion. It's ridiculous. It's um, ancient time stuff, but it is illegal there. And Lineker says he knows a couple of gay Premier League footballers. And of course, this has sent the internet into meltdown today. I sound very mainstream, don't I? <laughs> this has sent the internet into meltdown. But it has, with speculation as to who these players might be. These days, of course, you're not allowed to say, um, I don't care. You can't say that. You've got to be an ally of the LGBTQ plus community. I was going to download a bit of audio today, but I decided against it because I decided I was going to just have a bit of practice and have a bit of a chat with you and um, and not get too much into the news rundown. But Ian King presents a business programme for Sky News, which follows Sky News' daily breakfast programme. So when Kay Burley is done, Ian King from... He presents from the... What's it called? What's that ridiculous building called? The Gherkin. Is it the Gherkin in London? Yeah, he presents from there. He's a good guy, actually, Ian King. He's a good good business presenter, very chirpy. And he asks some good questions. And towards the end of his programme this morning, he had a gay dude on who represents... He represents... Oh, wait for it. This is hilarious. At least I find it hilarious. And my sense of humour is pretty weird, so you might not find it hilarious. But um, he represents an association of gay business owners. Gay business owners. Gay business owners, not business owners. He represents an association of LGBTQ plus business owners. And he was talking to Ian King because he said that there is an awful lot of stigma in the world today um, when it comes to investing and that investors are still not getting on board with LGBTQ plus businesses. Now, I was wondering, wondering to myself today, how would investors know that the CEOs or the COOs 
or the CFOs, that's Chief Executive Officer, Chief Operating Officer, and Chief Financial Officer, how would investors even know that those people were gay? And why would they care if there was money to be made? But anyway, this guy came on to say that there's a lot of prejudice out there, investors. And I thought, well, where do you take that? Do you, do you, do you make it law that if you are an investor, that a certain percentage of your portfolio or, you know, a quantity, I don't know how you, don't, don't, know, don't know the, the plurals, I don't know how you describe portfolios, but yes, yeah, some of your portfolio must be investing in businesses that are run by LGBTQ plus people. Staggering stuff, this. And Ian King now, sadly, didn't get stuck right into him. Um, no double entendres there, you know. Didn't get right stuck in. What are you talking about, man? Do you have any proof that investors are swerving businesses that are run by LGBTQ plus 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 people? Do you have any evidence of that? Maybe your, your businesses are not being invested in because they're shit, maybe. Maybe that's the thing. But um, that got me thinking, you know. Um, are the businesses of ethnic minorities being invested in by venture capitalists? Or are they not because they have, you know, because there is a prejudice against people with ethnic minorities? This is crazy shit that we, we, we are bombarded by this day in, day out on the national media and in the papers. And it's, it's awful to watch it. We, you know, dying to get stuck in, <laughs> dying to be the presenter, wishing that you could, you could transplant yourself, your consciousness into the presenter to, to, to just to rubbish these people, these idiots, you know. But yeah, will there be an index in the future? You, you, you must reserve some of your investments for people of LGBTQ plus plus. Uh, persuasion, and don't shout at me, I know that being gay isn't a choice, I know that, um, or, or ethnic minorities. Mad stuff. Mad, mad stuff. Went to a local corner shop just before coming on air to treat myself to a packet of crisps. It's been ages since I had a packet of crisps because I look after my body. I treat my body like a temple. I weigh 13 stone and 7 pounds as of this morning. I'm in good shape and I run every day. I'm proud of that, that I look after myself. I think a man's job is to look after himself, to look after his family. You've got to be fit if you can, if you're able-bodied and, you know. So I do that. I'm in good shape. And so I went to the corner shop and said, no, today, now it's Friday. Have a packet of cheese and onion crisps. So I went. And the guy behind the counter said, Richie, they've gone up. They have. They've gone up by 25p since the last time I bought a packet of crisps, which is probably two or three weeks ago. And he said, everything has gone up. And he said, it's not us. I said, I know. I know it's not you. I know it isn't you, it's the wholesaler, because I can see it on the package. It's clearly emblazoned on the package that it's now one twenty-five, and it used to be a pound. I'm talking about a big bag of Walkers, cheese and onion. I've given it away. So he said, he said, it's terrible. Everything is going up. Now, earlier today, I was in a large supermarket. Let's just call it Tesco for the sake of, of argument. And it, it was Tesco, and, and, and it was in there, and everything has gone up since last week. I buy the same things. It's all going up. And I think... There's me, there's the missus, there's the dogs. We're very lucky. We pretty much own our own house. We don't have children. Um, she's French. She's an occasional smoker as a French woman. She doesn't drink at all. I do drink, but I don't smoke. Um, we don't have a lot of bills. Things are getting really, 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 really difficult for people. I'm well aware of that. A number of you were in touch with me today to say, Richie, 
you know, are you going to touch on this next week and the week after? I am, but what can I say about it? They are blaming the conflict in Ukraine for everything that is happening with your fuel bills, not just petrol and diesel, but obviously gas and electric. They're blaming it on food prices. And I, I believe it to be untrue. I believe it to be a lie. This is something I can't can't prove. But but I believe that the situation in Ukraine, again, is is an event, is a a a story. And I'm pretty sure in some parts of Ukraine it's pretty real for people there. You know, Russian military coming down your streets. I'm I'm pretty sure it's real uh, for people there. And I'm pretty sure lots of people have died in the six, seven months since this kicked off. But I believe that this is a micromanaged event. Uh, that is designed, along with many other things happening at the moment, by the way, you know, all the talk about COVID coming back and all the talk about NHS beds and hospitals being overwhelmed in the winter. This is a fear agenda, I think, to scare people into complying with whatever solutions governments present to them. And that sounds very simplistic, and on the face of it, it is, but that's what I believe. There is an agenda. There is a place in the future, a destination, where they want to take humanity. Now, that destination is a very, sco- very cold, very scary, very, very, sur- very micromanaged, I used that term a moment ago, a, a virtual prison, a horrible place where everything we do is watched and is controlled to the umpteenth degree, to the nth degree. That's the destination they want to get us to. How do they get us there without us ripping them to shreds? And I shouldn't say that because I'm anti-violence, I'm opposed to violence. Without putting them on the run, without exiling them, how do they get us there? Well, they scare the living shit out of us and they make life increasingly unbearable. That's what's happening. So the excuse for this is Vladimir Putin, or Putin, as BBC presenters have come to call him, this is incredibly unprofessional. I can't believe it. I, I, I know you'll call me naive. I can't believe it, but you'll say I'm naive. But for the BBC to let the mask slip like that, he isn't being referred to on BBC radio as Russian President Vladimir Putin. They are referring to him simply as Putin. This is shocking stuff, really. It's propagandistic, of course it is. So Putin is the reason for it, but he's not the reason for it. The invasion of Ukraine by Vladimir Putin for for the stated aim of protecting Russians and loyalists to Russia in the Donbass region and to fight back against Western imperialism. That's the stated aim, right? That conflict should not result in the bills and the cost of living spiralling out of control. I don't believe that. This is going to happen anyway. Putin is the excuse for it. Vladimir Putin, the Russian president, is the excuse for it. So it is going to get pretty tough. I believe, and again, I have no evidence to support this, but I I kind of pride myself as kind of understanding economics. I was always the guy in stations I worked. I was always the guy to explain it, told to explain it, what's going on, the markets and stuff like that. I believe, and I hope I'm wrong, but in the next 18 months, a massive crash, financial crash, is imminent. It'll be 2008 on steroids. And maybe at that point they will roll out a system of universal basic income, but not for everybody. I've been thinking about this today, not for everybody. 
but for people who get support from the government, people who work two, three jobs, good people, and I'm not saying, by the way, that unemployed people are not good people. They are good people. I know people who are not employed, and they are very good people. Um, so, don't, so don't read into that. But, but folks who are getting some income from the government to, to supplement their own income, which is shit, because they're working zero hours contracts jobs, I think those will be the first people to be given a universal basic income. You know, they will be released from the responsibility of having to do so many hours work a week in order to qualify for government support. I think that's how they might do it. They'll roll it out for people who are on unemployment benefit or are on credits because they have a job but the job doesn't pay very well. And I believe that's how it'll begin and your universal basic income will be tied into eventually will be tied into your social credit score. This really does sound like Black Mirror stuff, but but that's what I believe will happen. I believe, like at the moment, if you're on benefits, uh, and I've not been on benefits for many, 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 many a year. I was briefly on benefits when the Richie Allen show started back in 2014 because I didn't have any money and because the show wasn't generating any financial support. It's a shitty system. It's horrible. I feel sorry for anybody who needs it. I only needed it for about six weeks. I couldn't wait to get away from it. Anyhow, I think in the future... So when you're on these credits, so they're always after you to ask you, are you applying for work and are you doing this and are you doing that? And and then they they penalise people, you know, cutting their benefits to punish them for not looking for work, even though the person is probably looking for work. Now in the future, they won't care about you working. They won't want you to work because working generates CO2, which is going to kill the planet. So your, your, your universal basic income, how could they penalise that? See, you didn't have your job. I don't want a job. Why? Because I believe the job is harmful to some people and I don't want to take a chance. Ah, right, okay. We're going to cut your universal basic income. I think that's where it's all heading. For those of you who've been asking me to opine on this. And please take with a massive dose of pinch of salt anything you hear from me on this because it's just my bloody opinion. A crash is imminent, I think. Imminent could be a year, could be 18 months. Imminent could be a, a month. I have a lot of sympathy who, for those who, who, who see that Keir Starmer will be the next Prime Minister. I think that's inevitable. The people who make these decisions, and it's not the public, by the way, they've decided now enough is enough now. We've had 12 years of the Tories, let's give them Labour, let's give them some hope. But Labour is going to be the climate change agenda uh, on steroids. It really is. And the woke agenda on steroids. You know, Labour will capitulate to the trans madness and mermaids and all of that. The censorship agenda will, will be Labour on steroids, no doubt about it. The online harms bill, which you might think might be parked when the Conservative Party leaves government. Um, Well, that's good, isn't it? Phew, sigh of relief. No, no, that ball will be taken up by the Labour Party and they'll run with it, in my opinion. Yeah, that's how I see things going. It's rotten what's happening. In Tesco this morning, Friday. I've been going to Tesco on Friday. and, And by the way, other supermarkets are available. I'm not endorsing Tesco. It's the nearest large supermarket to me. I've been going in there on Friday morning since May 2019 on the precinct in Salford. Don't come look for me. Ah, do go on for the crack. 
It'll make me feel like a celebrity. Um, so, so Fridays and buying the same stuff. I buy a bottle of No Seco for El Frago Tremendo. Splash out, £3.50. Pence. Um, I might buy her a bottle of non-alcoholic pear cider instead of that. I buy myself a litre of Bacardi, three bottles of wine and 24 cans of Stella. No, I don't. <laughs> there was a time. I buy myself a couple of bottles of wine, maybe a couple of beers for, for the weekend. I'll buy myself some chips and some burgers or some some fish for, for the Friday dinner. I'm a lapsed Catholic, you see, so I don't eat fish always on, on Saturday, on Fridays. And I buy a couple of little things, some, some, some naked fruit bars. I love them as well. Again, I'm not endorsing any of this stuff. I do that. And, um, uh, yeah, and I get all excited. A couple of other things. Usually the same stuff. It's like six, no, it's not six. It's like 40% more expensive now. And this morning, Tesco on Fridays is usually chocka. Very quiet. The company announced it's lost a lot of money in the last 18 months, didn't it, recently? Gave a profit warning to its shareholders. I would imagine the other supermarkets are the same. It's, uh, it must be desperate. It must be terrible for people. And I know living around Salford, which is a working class community, I'm a working class lad, but I have it better than, than some people. Maybe I don't have it as good as others, but I have it better. I don't have the worries of people. I fear for them in the coming weeks and months and what's going to happen to them. And um, we've got to talk about this stuff. You know, it is doom and gloom. It is miserable. It is depressing, but we have to talk about it. Anyway, look, um, that is kind of um, it uh, for me, kind of. Uh, before I do uh, take my leave of you, though, uh, today, what is it? Three minutes at the top of the air? That's right. Cold, seasonal, flu and respiratory diseases. We all get them. Never before have your body's defences been under such constant attack. Now more than ever, it's essential to have a robust immune system. Inspired by the Zelenko Protocol, Immunex 365 is a unique formulation that combines effective levels of vitamins D3, C and K2, as well as zinc and quercetin. Immunex 365 has been specifically formulated to maximize the effect of each ingredient, giving your immune system an optimum boost. Take back your health with just two capsules of Immunex 365 every day. UK listeners of The Richie Allen Show can use their special 15% discount code, Richie. Allen 365 at checkout. Go to immunex365.co.uk to get yours now. Now with two-day track delivery free. You're listening to the saviour of independent media, Richie Allen. Right, I might hang on just a few minutes after five because I want to read a couple of comments on this. Just a few minutes. It'll balls up the repeat of it, but it doesn't matter. You can catch it on Podomatic, iTunes or, or whatever. But a number of you are, are um, commenting to me and I should read them because I did, I did solicit your comments. Excuse me, I nearly burped in your ear there and I don't want to do that. Hang on, hang on. Excuse me. Welch Greg has been on in China, in Weihai, in China. He says, a small podcaster I watch had one of the founders of Just Stop Oil or one of those groups on the show the other day was a childhood pal or old pal of the presenter. The guy seemed genuine enough, but riddled with a kind of ideological fervour. I knew what he thought about every subject before he answered any questions. Yeah, I agree with that, Greg. There is a, there's almost like a religious mania aspect to this stuff, you know? Okie doke. Richard Kelly says, When I was a business owner, I was very ungay, to be honest. I'm much gayer these days, and the missus is gayer. <laughs> 
he says on a serious note, Richie, in my opinion, human resources are the Trojan horse that, that, that is bringing in all of this diversity and LGBT stuff, etc. They are very powerful in the workplace. Groups of gays and lesbians in certain companies, particularly big companies, because, you know, if you have a company with 10 or 15 people, you might have one gay employee, you might have two, but probably not many more than that. But in a very, very big company with a couple of thousand employees, you might have a hundred or a couple of hundred uh, uh, gay employees. And, and this is serious because this has happened to El Frago Tremendo. This is a serious thing. It's not a joke, this. But um, they're, they're, they're ally, ally, I can't even say it, ally programs are popping uh, up all over the place. Where, I talked about this before, where employees are being asked to to sign up to being allies of their of their gay colleagues and lesbian and trans colleagues. This is astonishing stuff. Like, I think you believe me when I tell you, because I'm not a tough guy, I'm not a hard man, but I'm honest. I don't tell lies. If the future Mrs. Allen was here next to he's as honest to a fault, gets himself into trouble. I would tell a human resources person or a boss to get fucked, essentially if they asked me to be an ally of my colleagues who happen to be gay, lesbian or trans, I would say I don't give a shit about their sexuality. So I'm not interested in any programme of allyship, if you could put it like that. This is crazy stuff. It's like this guy today on Sky News talking about, you know, there's a lot of prejudice out there amongst investors. They're not investing in LGBT plus community. There is no LGBTQ plus community. My friend Andy Hunter, and he is a friend of mine, proud of Andy, great supporter of the programme, has always been there for it when it's been in trouble. Andy is a lawyer, new, newly uh, qualified. Andy is gay. And he said to me years ago, what's this community shit, Richie? There is no LGBTQ plus community. Who is the mayor or the mayoress of this community? Where is it situated? What's the capital city of it? It's bullshit. This notion that LGBTQ plus people all think with one mind and speak with one voice, it's crap. Absolute crap. And Greg came back on to say, lockdowns in North China are happening again, Richie. And it could spell the end of my time here if they spread to my area. He says, uh, we're on PCR tests every other day at the moment. He says, love to you and all the listeners. And then he says, Gary Lineker is black, don't you know? <laughs> While E. Coyote said, Richie, just stop while do little to gain any support from the public. It seems the opposite and it only succeeds in making people angry. I wonder why. In response to that, Faisal said, how are you Faisal? Good point. I've also noticed that the billion dollar fine that Alex got has even mainstreamers thinking that there's something dodgy about that. Yeah, absolutely right. What are you going to do? Shall I take my leave of you, dear listener, today? Okay, listen up now and don't panic. Listen up and don't panic. And I will write about this on the website and I will write about this or get Rog to write about it on Facebook. About three months ago, Hayden Hewitt of Black Octopus Productions, a company which has made several outstanding films. It's a serious film company, a real film company. About three months ago, Hayden offered me a part in an upcoming film. Now, it's not a huge part. It's a small part. I have a line or two. Very interesting. He's got some well-known actors in the film. He asked me would I be involved in it. I said I would be involved in it. It is filming all this weekend. Today, tomorrow and Sunday and Monday. And I'm on site with the film crew 
on Sunday all day and on Monday all day. This is a pain in the arse to you. I know it is. Uh, but it can't be helped. There's nothing I can do about it. The timing of it is bloody dreadful. I'm really looking forward to it because I love Hayden and I'm looking forward to the experience because it's a real film, this, with proper, you know, assistant directors and call sheets and everything. An actor, so I get to experience that. But it's Sunday and Monday. So Sunday Morning Melodies will return the following Sunday, the 23rd. And the Richie Allen Show, the proper launch, will be this coming Tuesday at 5 o'clock. So... That's the way it is. got to like it or lump it. So you won't be hearing from me again until 5 o'clock on Tuesday. I'll be on site with Hayden uh, Sunday and Monday, but I'm really looking forward to that. Listen, uh, you might take comfort in the fact that um, I, I got a ticket for the Manchester United game on Sunday against Newcastle, but I can't go to that. I've had to give my ticket away because um, it had slipped my mind that I was going to be working with Hayden. But I've been learning my lines, so I won't be going to Old Trafford. So there you are. So I'm looking forward to that. You and me will speak again on the Richie Allen Show proper on Tuesday. That's this coming Tuesday, which I think is the 18th of October. We're back. The show is back. The engineering is complete. It's exactly as I wanted it to be when I started the project in July. We're back. I'm so glad we are. And I can't wait for the autumn and the winter shows. And nothing will get in the way of those shows. I'm back on Tuesday and we have a run all the way through to December 23rd. All right? Thanks for being there today. Thanks for listening to me. Look after yourselves and one another and have yourselves an absolutely tip-top weekend. All right? I'll close out with Glenn Campbell. Gentle on my mind. Au revoir. See you soon. Bye. It's no one-